You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the CEO and founder of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a PR firm that specializes in music innovation and music technology. And as you know, also the director of the Music Tectonics Conference. And we're really getting excited for the event coming up October 25th through 27th. And we're bringing in some of our special uh, special guests, special uh, participants, attendees, supporters of Tectonics. So I'm super excited today to have Vasya Weber, who is the co-founder and CEO of Vibrate with me. Vasya, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm really glad you're coming in strong, coming into LA. I'm going to have a lot to talk about with, with what you guys have coming in the mix with Vibrate. thought it would be a great opportunity for us to introduce you to the Music Tectonics podcast audience. Let's just kick it off. What exactly is Vibrate? Uh, we're a music data analytics service. That's in short. So in long, we analyze pretty much the entire music ecosystem, artists, festivals, venues, labels, but mostly as, as similar services, we are mostly focusing on, on artists. Um, so we analyze pretty much every relevant global channel for over 600,000 uh, unique artist names. Um, so if you want to know who's trending and Alternative rock in Mongolia will tell you that. Wow, six hundred thousand artists. That's a lot of artists. But what what kind of data are we talking about? What what are, what are you tracking inside Vibrate? So it's mostly social media, uh, streaming sites. We also do some live. We do services like Shazam. Uh, we just started adding TikTok like a year ago, uh, and so we actually we started with myspace so it was it was ages ago when myspace was still relevant uh we also had google plus so we're, we're adding and removing channels as they come and go but we, we try to stay uh relevant uh, at all times that's that's one of the highest priorities aside from having the cleanest uh database in class so what what you're saying just to be clear so you have social media platforms you have streaming services you have TikTok, so you got social video as well and you have Shazam and then live. Is that what you said? Yeah. So we have, we get, we're getting feeds from most of the major ticket providers. Um, and from those daily feeds, we then um, pull out information about artists, about venues. So we know who's playing where. Um, and, and we rank also artists based on that. So if we see that there's a, if you're a, if you're a breakthrough artist, you're still not super famous. And you land a uh, you land a gig at Coachella, because Coachella is ranked really high on our festival list. You're getting extra points for for playing there, and vice versa. So if you're a superstar band, you go I don't know for a vacation, and you say, "Well, we'll do a cameo gig at a local pub. We'll just I mean, just for we're, we're feeling well, so let's have a gig there." And and so and that venue because they just had Coldplay play there it's going to get extra points. And so this is how um, different different entities are influencing each other's um, profile on Vibrate. Interesting. Okay. So you got live too. On the, so, so, so on the, on the live side, it would be, it would be like how many shows they're playing, how big the shows are, not in terms of ticket sales or anything like that. No, 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 no one's, one's getting, getting ticket sales. sales. So yeah. this, this is, this is, this is only, only, I mean, there, I don't think there's a, um, there's a ticket provider that will be willing to share that information, but uh, I mean, we, we just rank we just rank 
venues uh, and events based on the strength uh, of the lineup. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. And then in terms of social platforms, what are what are the ones that people are most interested in that you can get the data for on Vibrate? Well, lately it's been TikTok. Everybody is crazy about TikTok, especially labels. The bigger they are, the the, the stronger the desire for premium TikTok uh, information. And we have some pretty sweet performance filters that allow you to search for unknown artists based on their TikTok uh, performance. So you can play with the numbers a bit and come up with a list of, I don't know, 100 rock artists who are not super famous, but are breaking out on TikTok. And this is this is one of the most popular features in Vibrate, especially with labels and ARs. Right. It, it feels like every... Every six to 12 months, there's a different, or maybe even a year or two years, whatever, there's a different kind of uh, platform that people are tracking. It's where the kind of the hot stuff is. And I guess that's TikTok right now, huh? Yeah, it's definitely TikTok now. So people were talking about Snapchat quite a lot uh, before the pandemic. And now it's it's, it's basically nowhere. So I, I don't get any requests. When are we going to get uh, Snapchat? Uh, or maybe Twitch or anything like that. Everybody's just super focused on TikTok right now. Hmm. Okay, cool. Well, we'll get more into the details on who some of the users are and 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 what kinds of um, examples you have of how, how they're using it, um, what they're able to do as a result of it. How did you get into building a music tech startup? Uh, I used to be a manager. So I was managing a pretty big uh, tech DJ, one of, one, actually one of the biggest. Uh, of all time, Umek. Uh, he's also one of the co-founders of, of Vibrate, and it was quite a quite an interesting twelve years. Uh, so we traveled the world, played all the biggest festivals, had a residence in Ibiza. Um, with it, all all traditions, um, EDC Las Vegas, my favorite of all time. So two hundred fifty thousand people in the stadium. You, you don't get that <laughs> anywhere else, and during that time, of course, we're also taking care of his profile, uh, his advertising, um, and we were investing a lot of money into advertising his profile without even knowing whether this pays off or not, or what others are doing and how we could compare him with similar DJs. And that's why we started just a simple DJ measuring website. Uh, it was called Top DJs, um, where we'll just looking into how many followers um, DJs were getting across different channels. Um, it was the first version of the idea. And then it just kind of picked up from there. So people started using it. Uh, we just put it out so I could use it for free. Uh, and it started growing like crazy. So that's why we said there's probably a good business there. Um, and that's after that, we raised a couple of um, funding rounds, and now Vibrate is for, uh, 40 people full-time here in our offices in Slovenia. Uh, we got a sales office in, in Los Angeles, California, uh, another one in London. And aside from full-time employees, we have 140 part-time external database curators across the whole world. So it's a pretty big beast to handle already so as a manager yourself you knew there was a there was a need for sort of seeing where your artist fit into the larger picture of djs um and then you launched this free free version uh just just to, to share the data and probably test market fit so you got feedback there was there anything else that made you think there would be an actual market for people to pay for vibrate 
Well, honestly, not me personally, because I'm not a, I'm not a numbers guy. <laughs> so I'm not big with numbers, but my partner or, uh, or CEO, the co-founder, you said I'm the CEO. I'm not a CEO. I'm chief of business development, but my co-founder who's a CEO. He's a complete opposite. So he just excels spreadsheets day by day he's just if if you see him sitting behind a computer he's got like four big monitors and they all have excel open and he's just throwing around numbers figuring out algorithms how to rank artists uh, he's crazy about numbers and it was his idea he said that well in a couple of years people are going to pay to access um artist statistics and no one believes him uh and he's some kind of i mean he he proves everyone wrong and now everybody's after data especially i don't know what happened during the pandemic but after the pandemic died down everybody now is talking about data it's metaverse and it's data and that's all they're talking in conferences right now yeah i mean i think as things scale up everyone's realizing that the data is really the key to understand how you gather any insights and how you can take any action right and it's it's it makes things easier uh, because I'm, I often talk with ANRs, and sometimes some of them are are appearing pretty defensive. So they say, "Well, I don't trust numbers. I trust my instinct. I trust my ear. I I, I need to like the music that I sign." And I say, "Yeah, you're completely right. We do the same, but the thing is that we'll make your job easier. So we'll narrow down the results so you can." just listen to music to artists who are who are already gaining some traction um we'll just you don't have to listen to like 500 submissions every week and some some labels not major some indie labels are going to get that uh we'll tell you who's worth the attention and who's not and then you still have to like the music that you sign um so yeah it's it's just it, the music became the music industry became so big, um, and I often tell a story of Ulmik, our co-founder, the DJ I was managing. He started DJing in the '90s, um, and it was still here behind the Iron Curtain in, in Slovenia. It was it was we just went from communism to capitalism, so the whole country was reviving and reinventing itself, and we didn't have even record stores here, so because he wanted to be a DJ, he had to go take a bus to Austria to buy finals to play his DJ sets. So the entry barrier was so high that there were not a lot of DJs. But today, you just need a Mac. And you can be a DJ. You can learn your stuff on YouTube. Um, you can start really quickly. Um, and that's why the, the whole music industry is growing so fast, because there are barely no entry barriers. Um, and you have to have an overview. So sometimes you just need to go out on a Saturday night to see who's the next hot band in your region. And this is how you did A&R. But now it's just impossible to track everything manually. So you need services like Vibrate. So cool. So you mentioned that um, that you've talked to some A&Rs who are like more traditional in how they think about it. Um, and and really want to emphasize kind of the, the feel and the vibe more than more than the data. But now that you're seeing more people come onto the Vibrate platform, what are you finding from them now that it's launched? Now that people are getting a sense, uh, what what are you finding out that's new from 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 them actually having the experience of having having access to this data and being able to look at insights in different ways? 
Well, there are two parts. So one part is they want the impossible. So they say, can you let us know who's going to be the next Billie Eilish before Sony finds out? And if we knew that, we would immediately start a label and it would probably be a very successful one. So you have to manage your expectations. And then then you have the the other extreme side uh, side of the um, of the range, uh, and those are people who are completely who are just looking at numbers all the time. They know all their services. They they have API access to all the competing analytics services. They're using Tableau and Excel and just throwing around numbers looking for for answers. Um, and everybody in between, of course. So um, right now, I mean, there's three main target groups that, that we're targeting: ARs, managers, and marketing executives um, and, and labels, also distributors, publishers. Um, and the way, like I said before, so before the pandemic, when I was talking about data and music, I, it was just like, why are we joining the most boring? industry with the most exciting one it just it they're not compatible and all of a sudden everybody's talking about data and data here data there i usually say data doesn't matter information matters because there's a lot of data out there and if you're just looking at numbers you're not going to get answers so you need services that are going to process all those huge piles of unstructured unconnected data um and get you some answers um and I say that because we go through a billion data points every day. Yeah, makes sense. All right, look, I'm going to get a little bit deeper with you on different types of users and what use cases they have for Vibrate, but we have to take a quick break. We'll be right back. See you in person at the Music Tectonics Conference. It's happening October 25th through 27th, 2022 by the beach in Santa Monica, California. We have a full three days of programming, networking, and carousel rides. So I want to tell you a little bit more about the panels that I've been working on. So I'm going to tell you about two of them. The first one is our music community engagement panel. This is going to have speakers including Maria Garonis, who is senior partnerships manager and oversees creators and artists at Reddit. She's also the CEO and founder of Cool Shit, Cool People. And we are also going to have Manny Toro, who is global VP of music marketing at SoundCloud. Now, the next panel I want to tell you about is a panel about the metaverse. And I know I said we weren't going to have an oversaturation of Web3 at Music Tectonics this year, but come on, we have to have at least a few panels that touch on the topic. So I present to you Music Rights in the Metaverse, a fireside chat with Michael Huppy, Sound Exchange's president. Here as he dives into issues around rights and payments in the metaverse and where he sees the path to move forward. So that's a little bit about the programming that's going to happen on the 26th. And now I want to tell you about some exciting things we have going on on October 27th. So at Expert Dojo, the first event of the day, we are going to hear from our friends over at Media Research. We are going to have a presentation from Chris Dakrar and Tatiana Sirisano as they dive into the idea that music consumption is transitioning to become background music and what that means for the current economy and the industry as a whole. 
Then stay tuned for some exciting programming announcements for a closing event at the UMG offices in Santa Monica. You can get your picture taken by the big globe outside. Get your Music Tectonics conference badge at musictectonics.com. Okay, we are back with Vasya Weber from Vibrate. Vasya, I was going to ask you if you were talking a little bit about um, how, how people are using data um, for A&R decisions, for example. Uh, can you give me a couple of examples of typical users and explain to me what they can do with Vibrate that they couldn't do before? Let's get a little more detailed. We can start with A&R reps because I know that's a, that's a huge use case for you. Um, how, are, how, are, how are people using Vibrate and what are, you, what are you seeing that they're able to do now that they couldn't do before? So if you're a beginner on our platform, uh, or you're, if you're super lazy, we have a feature uh, that's called a hot filter. So it's, you can just click a button and then we're gonna just show you anywhere from 50 to 100 artists who are growing exponentially, whether across the board or um, in specific channels. Um, so that's, that's the easy one. But here you'll often find big names uh, are already signed to a label, so you don't set a chance with them. But if you want to go into details, uh, if, if you want to use it as a data expert, uh, then you can play around with uh, our performance filters. So first you'll go and you'll choose uh, the genre and then the subgenre that you're interested in. So that will already boil down results from 600,000 to a couple thousand artists. Um, and then usually, you're not interested in, in superstars, right? I already mentioned that. So we allow you to reduce um, the list of the artists um, by throwing out um, artists who rank above a certain threshold. So we have our own ranking system. Uh, it's based on, on vibrate points and they take into account all the metrics that we have. So you can say, okay, I'm only interested in artists who rank below 20,000 um on vibrates ranking that eliminates all the ed sheerans and metallicas of this world and then you'll say but at the same time i want to look for artists who have more than two hundred thousand monthly listeners on spotify or more than a million tiktok followers okay maybe a little less a hundred thousand tiktok followers uh, and that will then return a very manageable list of artists um so usually i say it doesn't matter how many artists a platform is analyzing what matters is if you have methods to boil down the results because no one wants to fish in a pool of a hundred thousand artists or five thousand artists but if you have a hundred artists who are growing across different channels then you can call each and every one of them and and see what and ask them for a demo and when you have that list, you can then rank it um, based on different um, on different metrics. So you can rank them according to their Spotify followers or um, based on their Instagram engagement or whatever you like. So you have all the freedom and endless opportunities to um, to find artists before other labels uh, find them and then and poach them. So that's that's usually the case with NR, but then we also have um, marketing tools. So we, when you find an artist that you're interested in, you can click on their name, um, and that will open a dashboard. 
it's pretty much like Google Analytics for artists. So we will show you measurements like charts and, and um, numbers and trends and I mean, just interesting and easy to understand information. And from then, if you work in marketing, you can check the artist's demographics. So where their fans are coming from, what's their gender, what's their age structure. So now you know how old they are, what gender they are, and where they live. And then you can easily target um, ad campaigns towards them. And after you do that, you can look whether the artist's engagement is growing, whether um, an Instagram campaign is correlated with the growth of audience on Spotify, because this is what you usually want to achieve. And we will show you all that data. Uh, so for planning and then for reporting, it's it's all useful. And then for managers, uh, you can analyze your artists. So you, we have benchmarking tools, so you can compare your artist with a similar artist that you look up to and just check how they're doing in different channels, who's got a better engagement, who's got a better artist network or um, different demographics. So if, if an artist that you wanna go towards um, has predominantly female audience, then you just go and check what they're doing uh, in order to, to get the same audience. Um, and then we also have analysts. So analysts are usually interested in big amounts of data. So for them, we offer exports. Um, you can export the data that we have in a um, CSV format and then just use it for whatever purposes analysts are using the data. Gotcha. Gotcha. So ANRs are basically using it to shorten the list of things to look at. They can cut off the top and cut off the bottom. They're looking sort of in the middle, towards the top of the middle, basically. These are basically unsigned artists, but are rising. And you have this uh, hot, what did you call the, the the thing that's like a heat seeker hot, chart? Hot filter. Hot yeah, filter, hot yeah. Filter. So you can use the hot filter as the well. The hot filter as a... is slightly more dynamic and complex. So it's an algorithm that we came up with. Uh, it, it will not just cut... It won't cut away the top and the bottom. It will just show you who's growing way more than the others do. That's a very high level explanation. Yeah, yeah. Well, but it, but but it's it's almost like the speed at which they're growing puts them onto that chart. But then, yeah, exactly. but then, separate from that, ANRs can can also just slice the top and the bottom. Say, I don't want people that are this big because I know they're already taken. But I don't want this many that are from the long tail. I want something kind of mm -hmm. towards the top of the middle, so you can start to hone in and you can slice it by genre. So it's a quick way for them to see growth across multiple platforms, but with those filters in place. So it's the right kind of demographic of artist for that. And then for for marketing mm -hmm. purposes. Uh, those reps, as I understand it, they, they can just tap into the data, including the demographics of uh, who they're targeting and use that for ad campaigns to target more of those people, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, and then for managers, it's kind of benchmarking, maybe looking for missed opportunities because there's similar artists that are excelling somewhere else. You could say, wait, how come we're not paying attention to that? Let's 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 do more there, right? Exactly. And then you can also use demographics if, if you're a talent agent and if you want to push a certain artist to a certain festival, we also have demographics for festivals. So festival demographics are calculated by aggregating all the demographic information of their previous lineups. So if you're, if you're a talent, talent agent and your artist demographics fit the demographics of the festival, and if most of the fans of your artists are coming from the city where the festival takes place, that's a pretty good 
case to pitch an artist, a festival uh, promoter, because you can say, look, I have an artist who's got 70% male audience, which is definitely your type of audience. And they're aged 24 to 34, which is exactly the same thing as with your festival. And because your festival takes place in Los Angeles, we got 15,000 people listening to that artist on Spotify monthly coming out of Los Angeles. And we also have the same thing for YouTube. So that's a pretty clear case. And I mean, that's that's definitely a booking that should be interested um, for, for, a, for a festival promoter. Because if you have 15,000 people listening to your music coming out of Los Angeles, those are the people who are probably going to be interested in go see you live. So if you flip the live equation, are festival bookers and booking agents also uh, starting to use Vibrate? Yeah, I mean, Insomniac has been with us since probably since the beginning, uh, also Glastonbury Festival. Those are the ones I usually brag with the most. Uh, but, but I mean, we're proud to to take part in, in those legendary festivals. Uh, and, and we know that maybe a couple of artists who are playing here wouldn't be here if we didn't have a... a a dashboard for them. Oh wow, that's cool. So you you you, you know that vibrates helping certain bands get booked or find the right fit for festivals. Yeah, yeah, super cool. So it's almost like uh, you know the music industry switched to digital. It grew. There's more and more artists out there. There's more and more platforms out there. Social media exploded at the same time. So there's more and more platforms for discoverability and marketing and all, all that kind of stuff. And that created all these data points. I mean, we talk a lot at Music Tectonics about how the industry has been fragmented because artists and managers and labels have to go after so many different things now to, to, to reach different audiences in different places at different times. And now you're bringing that data back together in a way that's presentable, that's searchable, that's filterable, that can you can draw insights from. And so you're starting to see shortcuts or ways to catch up now that there's all this data and all this musical uh, content, performance, recording out there. I'm curious to see what you think will happen in a few years once Vibrate is adopted like very widely. How will the types of data and cross-references that you're able to provide change the actual music industry more broadly? Well, we just like to think that we make business a lot easier for people who take maybe a day or two to learn how to use the service. Uh, it's just, it's just going to be more streamlined. Uh, but I, I don't think that we're ever going to completely replace the human factor. So it's music is, is, a, is an emotional thing. And the numbers can point to in the right way, but they won't make you fall in love with a band or, or, a, or a track. So A&Rs are still going to have to listen to music so i know it's sometimes a pain in the ass i know because we had a label and there's so much trash that you're getting and you have to go through it over and over again uh every week but i i don't think that we're going to change that part but yeah we'll, we'll make things easier and especially we're probably gonna make um things easier for unknown talent so if you're going to be talented if you'll if you'll invest your time into building your fan base, putting your stuff out there will make it easier for you to get spotted. And that's that's something good for the music industry. You know, it makes me think that maybe one of the broader implications of this 
would be as decision makers have access to this data that somebody could get discovered more quickly, that you'd have a quicker way of finding those people than before versus, you know, you just hope that you hit the right club at the right night to see some opening act, you know? Yeah, or just open the right link. So, um, I mean, we all know how, how Scooter Brown discovered Justin Bieber on, on YouTube, I think. He was playing guitar in his living room. And sometimes, I mean, those lucky shots are rare. Uh, but because he was raking views like crazy, uh, if we existed back then, he would probably pop up on our hot filter. So it would be much easier uh, for him to get discovered. Gotcha. Yeah. So I want to widen out a little bit. Um, as an entrepreneur and an innovator, I'm curious, where do you find inspiration? What, you know, obviously the ARs are looking for music all the time, but as a business person and entrepreneur, you know, you have a whole set of other things that you also have to be aware of in terms of running the business and growing the business. Where, where do you find your inspiration? Yeah, sometimes I have to dig it out <laughs> because as the, the older you get, the harder it gets. Um, we started this. We started full-time eight years ago, but the whole idea started way before. Um, all the founders were much younger then with, with a lot of energy. And I don't think we would do it now from the beginning. Um, but it's I mean, the, the good thing is when you get recognized, when you get high-profile users um, starting using our service. A- after we finish right now, I have really high-profile pitch, so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and, I mean, we just got a, a visit from um, one of the biggest Silicon Valley tech giants uh, last week. I'm not allowed to say who they are. Um, but they took a flight from California to Slovenia, which, trust me, it's a very long flight with a nine-hour jet lag. And when you get recognized by those big companies, you know that you're doing something right. And that's, that's the best feeling in the world. Um, and we're all entrepreneurs. We have entrepreneurial spirits. I don't even know how I would manage to function in a big corporation, to be honest. I mean, you know how it is. You're, you're, you're an entrepreneur. I haven't had a resume in years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, no, the validation, I mean, especially after putting that much time, I mean, eight years is a long time on a startup, right? Um, But to start Mm -hmm. to see that validation, yeah, I can see where you can be like, yes, finally, people are starting to recognize that this, this actually is a thing. It's, it's taking a while to educate the market, but they're catching up. And we're hearing that from like, you know, you mentioned Glastonbury and and Insomniac, but now these other companies as well come in and knock on your door. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. It is definitely yeah, cool. So um, we're going to come back to the music industry. Uh, we need to take one more quick break, and I'd love to ask you a little bit about other trends you're looking on. We'll be right back. Does your company belong at the center of the conversation about music, tech, and innovation? Listen, you should consider sponsoring the Music Tectonics Conference. It takes place in person October 25th through the 27th, 2022, in the Music Tech Hub of Los Angeles. Top-tier sponsorships are selling fast, but we still have a spot for you, whether your business is a hungry startup or an industry leader already. Every sponsorship level comes with an exhibitor booth at the Lowe's Santa Monica Beach Hotel on October 26th, the main conference hub for keynotes and panels. Your company will be at this epicenter of music, tech, and innovation throughout the event. 
That's just one perk of being a sponsor at Music Tectonics. You could be a guest on this podcast or even play a role in conference programming. Interested? Let's talk. Go to musictectonics.com to start the conversation with our contact form. And now, back to the show. Okay, we're back. And like I said, I'm really curious uh, to ask you, what are some trends in the music industry that you're keeping an eye on, Vasya? So the most interesting one was definitely the Netflix effect. And uh, this is something that's being discussed quite extensively in-house and, and um, we're noticing signals from the outside. I was, I was just actually talking with Netflix a couple of days ago. Um, Kate Bush and Metallica. So both... Legacy artists uh, just spiking all over all our charts because they got featured in a Netflix uh, series in Stranger Things. And who'd have known that uh, a sync can have such a huge influence? And you have kids listening to Master of Puppets right now, and I don't think they knew who Metallica was before that series. And I think this is a good thing. So uh, people need to know what kind of music we listened to when we were young. Uh, so that's definitely one of them. Um, the other one I've already mentioned is that stars nowadays are born in TikTok. And this is the trend that I, I'm still not sure how I feel about it because labels, especially majors, right now are just sitting there and waiting for some kids to make enough effort on TikTok to explode. And then they offer them a deal when most of the work is already done. Um. Yeah, those those are probably yeah. That, the, the two that that's great, and it's almost funny because it's like a ricochet effect. Because first, you know, the sync might happen with Kate Bush on Netflix, and then you see the TikTok reverb effect, and then some people are discovering it for the first time on TikTok. Um, and it in a yeah. way, you wonder if like the the online video Netflix or other streaming services have a um sort of an an over index uh ability of impact on discovery uh because of that or, or something like that but it's it, it i'm sure there's some music syncs that has happened as a result of something that blew up on tiktok as well so it goes back the other direction Definitely. too do you have yeah, music yeah. supervisors using uh vibrate is that is that a, a group that makes sense to to use it or are they more that's only if they want bragging rights to say hey look i put metallica on my show and now it's all over tiktok <laughs> for the first time well, we do some. We do have some some use supervisors, yeah. But I'm 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 not familiar with any use cases, so they're they're not sharing anything. <laughs> they want to keep it their methods to to themselves. I mean, it would be cool. I mean, you'd think it would be cool, especially if they want if they're targeting a younger audience to to have some relevancy in the music by seeing what's popping, you know, what's hot on TikTok right now. Not something that's exploded necessarily, but something that's about to explode or, or showing that direction. But of course, you'd have to move fast to get the license. <laughs> And get it into production. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's that's super interesting to think about that back and forth, back and forth ricochet. All right, Vasya, there's something we like to do on the show. We like to get sci-fi. Um, what are the futuristic visions of the music industry from maybe ten years from now? You can go crazy. Where do we see things going in the future? If you get get, get put on your crazy hat, your your crystal ball, or <laughs> your your future goggles, or something. Well, I think that, the, yeah, well, okay, fast forward 50 years, so we have, like, Terminators running around and then Neo finding with the Matrix. And I think the crazy thing would be there's there's a studio in, in, in London and Chris Martin of Coldplay is, is sitting there and he's thinking, 
maybe I should go back to doing the old style of music that makes sense going away from electronic music. This is something that I hope for the future. But other than that, I mean, yeah, it's... I think the, the less crazy part is the music is probably going to get more and more electronic and, and created by AI. And I'm not really looking forward to that kind of future. Hey, but you do propose an alternative path, a retro future, right? Because we always do look back, yeah. right? We go forward, we go back. I mean, you were just talking about Netflix bringing back old stuff too, and then young people yeah. getting into it too. So we need to make sure the guitar manufacturers, uh, the, elect- the uh, acoustic guitar manufacturers still stay in business so that when we go retro, we can, uh, we can still sit around the fire and play some tunes, right? Exactly. I was happy when I visited Nashville uh, for the first time in, in May to see, I, I don't think that, I've seen so many guitars just hanging around pubs and, and, and stores, and it was it was pretty amazing. So it's a, it has that old school kind of we play our instruments to create music kind of vibe. Yeah, nice. Awesome. Well, we're really excited that you're coming out to Music Tectonics. So you're going to make that nine-hour trip that you mentioned that some Californians came to you. Now you get to come to California, right? <laughs> it's a t- Unfortunately, it's a 20-hour trip. <laughs> just the nine hours, just the jet lag. <laughs> oh, the, oh so, 20 hours. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So if, if anyone ha- wants to have a meeting at, at four in the morning, I'm, I'm all up for it. I'm, I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be wide awake. So back in my management times, that was actually playing well for me because I just, when we had gigs like in two in the morning, I just want to sleep during the day and I was, I was there and it was the middle of the day with me. But now with all the meetings, people wanting to meet for dinners, I'm just, my God, nine hours is so long. It's such a huge difference. But yeah, I'm, I'm still looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, LA is always nice, dude. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we've also got you um, on a on a panel that we're putting together called mm-hmm. Sexy Sexy A&R Data for the Masses, talking more about the kinds of stuff we've talked on the podcast today, but hopefully getting into some more details, some examples. I know Jay Gilbert from Your Morning Coffee is going to be joining, uh, moderating the panel. Always fun to have Jay around. But what are you hoping to get the most out of when you come to Music Tectonics Conference this year? Well, we're trying to just to get the word out there that there's a really great music analytics service coming out of Europe, uh, and then everybody should be using it. It's just as simple as that. And and I know that you have some pretty high profile uh, people visiting the conference, so I'm really looking forward to all the networking events. I'm I'm just gonna be really really high in red bull all the time to get past the jet lag so if i pass out it's just it's it's not the booze it's just the sleep kicking in <laughs> so yeah um really looking forward to it we'll just have you jump in the ocean it'll, it'll wake you up right away just just walk down that's, and that's one of the methods yeah that'll get you there well great well so excited to have you coming out to that tectonics you're definitely going to meet a lot of folks there we'll make sure you get introduced and do lots of great networking show off what vibrate has to offer and uh, super great to talk to you thanks so much vasya yeah thank you Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know? You can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. 
While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye. You're listening to Music Tectonics.